This week on Personally Speaking, our guest is Stephen Matz. Stephen played for many years as a star pitcher for the New York Mets and now is with the Toronto Blue Jays. A great man and a man of faith. Stay with us. Welcome to Personally Speaking. I'm your host, Monsignor Jim Lasanti. And Major League Baseball pitcher Stephen Matz joins me now. Stephen is a pitcher for the Toronto Blue Jays since January of 2021, and he previously played for six years for the New York Mets. He's from Long Island, New York, and attended Ward Melville High School in East Setauket, New York. Forty different NCAA Division I schools attempted to recruit Steve to their college teams. The Mets drafted him directly out of high school, and he made his Major League Baseball debut on June 28, 2015, breaking several hitting records in his first start. Stephen started the charity initiative True 32, which honors first responders from New York City Fire Department, New York City Police Department, and the United States military. He's married to Taylor Kane, a country singer, since December 9, 2017, and during his off-season, Stephen and Taylor live in Nashville. Stephen speaks openly about his faith, and he's here today with us to talk about that, about his life, his career, his family, his marriage, and the values that matter the most to him. Joining me now, I'm so pleased to welcome to Personally Speaking, Toronto Blue Jays pitcher Stephen Matz. Steve Matz is our guest. We're talking to him about life, career, and values. Uh, Steve, I want to begin with uh, a quote from another one of our guests that I, I found interesting. Uh, when we had Derek Cheater on the program he said, you know, I'm a Catholic Christian. I take my faith seriously, but I I'm, tend to be very private about it. And I was struck by his comment when I was reading your own, where you said to me, Jesus is Lord, not just a pie in the sky idea that maybe he's real, maybe he's not. I've seen the transformation in my life. Jesus is the Lord of my life. Steve, where did it come from, the idea of, uh, of being public in your witness to your faith? Um, I just think the reality of it for me, you know, it's, it's not, um, you know, I think the, the actual truth for me is, is where it really comes from is that this is real. God is the creator of everything. And, you know, he wants a relationship with us. And, you know, if, if, if I believe that, then, you know, I'm going to try and live that out. And that's going to be reality for me. Steve, you know, uh, one of the uh, other parts of the conversation with Gita that I found interesting, as I said, uh, Derek, every every American kid wants to be a, a, a baseball player, baseball hero. Uh, you've got it all, success and popularity and all that and talent. Why would God, of all the people in the world that he could give it to, why would he give it to you? And uh, Jesus said, I don't know, but I'm not going to ask him because I don't want him to change his mind. In the same way, Steve, you've been given many gifts and talents and an amazing player in so many ways. Have you ever examined why God has given you the platform, the opportunity to play ball professionally and to be the person with the talents and gifts that you have? Yeah. You know, sometimes I think of that, um, you know, this is, this has been a dream of mine since I was a kid, you know, to play in the major leagues and stuff. And, you know, and, and sometimes I do have to pinch myself, but at the end of the day, you know, I realize that it is a gift and, you know, I should 
recognize that and be able to use that and, you know, give, try to give him some glory with that as well. And so, you know, not really asking why now, but now kind of, you know, what do I do with it? Right. Now, when you have those gifts and talents and uh, Dorothy Day, the great social activist said that all is grace, everything we have is grace. But when you have that grace, what do you make of it when, how do you make sense of God's wisdom when, uh, when you, Steve, have gone through the experience of, of having this great talent, but also having times when injuries have held you back. How do you take injuries and put them in a spiritual perspective? Oh, I think, you know, for me, I first, you know, began a relationship with God through an injury is when I had my elbow surgery when I was uh, 19, 20 years old. And that was when I really first come to the faith. And so, you know, when I look at that and I, I, you know, that was, you know, personally, a tough time for me. It took me two years to come back from elbow surgery. But during that time, you know, I, I began a relationship with God and, and that was when I come to the faith. And so I can look back at that time and be like, hey, even though I was suffering then, it was a really monumental time in my life and for my faith and really changed the tra- trajectory of my life. And so yeah. I look back at that and then anytime anything else comes up, I realize, you know, it, it could be made for good. Steve Mass is our guest with the Toronto Blue Jays. Steve, I want to ask you, when you talk about I came to Christ or I came to my faith, um, when you were growing up, was faith an important part of your life? Yeah, you know, it was. I I would go to Sunday school and stuff like that. Um, You know, but after I got to a certain age, it was just kind of like that was the end of it. You know, I -hmm. I did my religious duty and, you know, that was kind of the end of it. And then, um, you know, I would say, there was a point there from, you know, I wasn't going to church. I, I would say, I I remember acknowledging the fact that I didn't even believe in God because it wasn't, Mm. it wasn't, he wasn't part of my life at all. And so, you know, you get in this things of the world and, you know, I remember a friend who was real scientific was trying to explain to me how the world works. And, you know, we're only 15, 16. I remember, yeah, that sounds good. I don't believe in God. And so, you know, when I wasn't living it out. I wasn't pursuing anything. And so it got me to a point where I was like, man, I don't, I don't, I don't think I believe in God either. And so, you know, that was kind of where I was at, you know, in my really, Mm -hmm. I guess early, early mid teens. And so. And then uh, wonderfully through the injury of all things, you came back to a a strongly sense of belief, you know, uh, most weekends, in fact, this past weekend, uh, Steve, I had the opportunity to celebrate three weddings uh, actually four, one on Saturday, two, three on Sunday, one on Saturday. I mentioned that because the way I get ready to preach at weddings is I ask the couples to write me an essay on why of anybody in the world, why is this the one person you think is the, the best friend you're meant to spend your life with? If you had to put together some thoughts on why is Taylor the one? There are so many choices out there, but you chose Taylor. What does she bring to your life that made you say, this is the person I want to build a life with? I think the first thing, um, you know, that really struck me is, um, you know, her faith and, and her relationship with God is, you know, it's so cool. I'm from New York. She's from Alabama. You know, we've lived two completely different lives, but here she is pursuing the same exact thing that I'm pursuing. And when we come together and, and recognize that, and I think that was like the, you know, one of the big things and, um, yeah, it's just her, her love for God and, and how she continues to pursue that and her love for people as well is, is really cool. That's really great. Now, I remember if I got the timeline correct in my head, Steve, that uh, the year before you guys got seriously involved, um, that you, you were dealing with a woman who had had some serious life-threatening stuff going on. How did you and she, in terms of faith, handle 
a very serious thing, which might have cost her her life. Yeah, it was it was a difficult time. You know, she um, we actually had come back from mission, a mission trip to a uh, Honduras and she ended up getting kidney failure. And, you know, we were pretty new in our relationship. And it was really, you know, for me, it was confusing. You know, it was like, what was going on and everything. And for her, you know, I saw her and she was just steady. You know, she she seemed really um, trusting. I, I was kind of the best way that, you know, that God was going to work it out. And he ended up, you know, she was completely healed and completely restored back to her health. And so, you know, just to see her faith in that and her trust in that whole situation was um, was pretty amazing. Steve Matz is our guest. Steve, uh, when I uh, look back on my life in terms of who formed me, who shaped me, I know that my parents are uh, are kind of essential to that whole process. Uh, in the same way, I wanted to ask you, Lori and Ron, in raising you and your sister and brother, what did your parents do right? Well, you know, they really they really gave me a good model for, you know, marriage and family life. You know, we, we were a pretty close family growing up. My, both my parents worked really hard. You know, my dad really modeled what hard work was and, you know, from even if it's from working around the house to, you know, going to work every day, you know, he, he did what he had to do to provide us with everything we needed. And so I look at that and I'm just extremely grateful to have parents like them. Isn't that great that they're a, a real model for you? Let me ask you this, too, in terms of uh, I have a good friend, Mike Komisar, played professional hockey. and uh, But he said to me recently, we were out to lunch, and he said, you know, from the time I was six, uh, hockey was my life. And now he's mid-30s and just retired. And uh, he said, I'm not sure what the rest of life holds. When you've been as devoted to baseball as you have, I mean, it's from the earliest time of your life, you've been playing and playing well. How do you plan for the life journey beyond baseball? You know, for me, that's something that the wheels are always kind of turning, you know, is I understand, you know, baseball is a, a sport where, you know, mid thirties, if you can make it to your mid thirties, that's a, that's a really long career. And so, you know, you, here you are, you're, you know, done with your career in your mid thirties. So for me, I'm always, the wheels are always turning of what's life going to look like after baseball, you know, family, yeah. um, work, you know, that type of stuff. And so, I don't know, quite know what that's going to look like yet, but, you know, it is, uh, you know, it is something that's really intriguing to me and really exciting to me as well. Uh, Steve Matz had talked earlier in an interview about uh, one time thinking about being a, a firefighter. Uh, would the body be able to take that work now if you move into that next? You know, that was something I, I would think about a lot. And it's still, it's still, you know, kind of is, is in the back of my mind a little bit, but, you know, being away from home this much and then maybe working those shifts, I don't know if, <laughs> you know, I don't know how that would go. It'd be more something I maybe a little more consistent, but you know, we'll see. We'll see yeah. where, where life takes. You know. One of the, uh, the, I got, I got actually arrested years ago. I was at a pro-life demonstration and I got arrested with a guy named Mark Bavaro, football player from the Giants. But I, I mentioned that because uh, what Mark used to do when he would catch a, a football touchdown is he would genuflect and he'd uh, say a prayer. I mentioned that too, because the Sports Illustrated had an editorial back then saying, uh, Mr. Bavaro, we're happy you have faith, but keep it to yourself. Um, do you run into any kind of blowback for being a man of faith who is pretty upfront about it? Um, you know, I really haven't. I, I haven't had a, you know, a ton, you know, I, I, at least out in the open, you know, um, where people actually, you know, confront me about it. I, I haven't had a ton of blowback about it, thankfully, you know, um, 
other than, you know, maybe just a little bit here and there, but really nothing, nothing too big. Well, speaking of criticism, uh, you know, when you go on Wikipedia and you look up Steve Matz, there's, there's like pages and pages and pages of articles because there's so much coverage for guys in professional sports. Steve, if I give a homily on Sunday in my church and 100 people like it, but one person at the back door says, I think that homily stunk, I'm going to focus <laughs> for the rest of the day on that criticism. I mentioned that because, like, how do you handle of the fact that there's a whole lot of people out there who love you and love the way you play, but you can't be in, in baseball and not have somebody out there not liking you for some reason or another. What does Steve Match do with criticism? You know, it's tough because I think naturally, or maybe we all are to some degree, we, you know, we want people to like us, you know, and that was something, you know, obviously being in New York for early part of my career, it's a very, um, loyal fan base. And when you do good, they love you. When you don't do good, they want the next guy in. And so I've had kind of ups, ups and downs in that career, you know, and, and I remember being booed off the field specifically in 2017. I was like, man, I hear my home crowd booing me, you know, I'm from this area and, you know, I'm just trying to do good. And, you know, that's where my faith really comes in play is where, you know, um, for me, uh, Ecclesiastes, I, you know, sometimes I read that and it really helps me, you know, this is just meaningless at the end of the day, you know, you know, we got a, we got a God in heaven who, who cares more about than just, you know, a game on the field and stuff. So, um, that, that's really where I, I would say I draw that yeah. type of stuff. And I, and I try not to read it and that, that helps too. <laughs> I should say for our listeners and watchers around the world that, uh, I'm, I'm doing this interview from Long Island. Steve is from Long Island. There is a passionate loyalty either to the Yankees or to the Mets. And in particular, maybe because the Mets have had their bumps along the way, there's a, a deep version of loyalty to, uh, by Mets fans. So I just wondered, uh, how heartbreaking it must've been for some of them when you moved on, because you're, you're their own, a Long Island guy and a Mets guy. Um, but you handle criticism pretty well. At least that's my sense of it. And anyway, Steve Matz, for the people who don't know him well, has been one of these rare and wonderful people who decided that uh, he's been very blessed. He's been given a lot of opportunities, but he wants to give back. So I want to talk a little bit about those, Steve. First of all, what goes into your decision to actively be a guy involved in charity? Uh, I was intrigued by a couple of things. What what was your connection to uh, helping people in Honduras? Um, so, you know, it's pretty cool. I got connected with my agency and... Um, you know, he's very like-minded, you know, he's, uh, he's a believer as well. And he wants to give back where he can. He wants to utilize the athletes that want to give back as well and, you know, kind of collaborate there. And so he, he was the first one that was like, Hey, we're going on a mission trip, you know, where we want to bring guys, if you want to come. So me and Taylor were like, yeah, let's, let's do it. Um, and so that, that was just a simple connection there. And it was, you know, it was a one-time thing. She got pretty sick. So we're like, okay, we're going to hold off on the, uh, you know, maybe going, going to different places for now. But, um, as far as some of the other charity stuff, you know, after my first year, I got to pitch in the world series and that next spring training, I sat down with my agent and it was just like, um, all right, you know, what are some areas where, you know, we want to give back, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I was like, all right, well, you know, I really appreciate kind of blue collar work. And so we, we looked into, you know, police, military, firefighter, we're like, okay, that could be something there. Okay. You know, little league, giving back to some little leagues in the area that could be something there. And there was another thing that I got connected with called Angela's house. It's a charity mm-hmm. out on long Island. They help, um, disabled families who, um, you know, 
whether they need a ramp for their house, you know, or just supporting families who have disabled kids of, of any kind. And so those were kind of three areas that initially we started in that first season and the, um, the first responders, police, military, fighter, fire, that one really took on a life of its own. We would invite them out to a game. Um, I would meet them, sign, sign stuff for them. And then it kept expanding and we started having some events, raising some money. And then we were getting some scholarships for kids who lost their parents in the line of duty and supporting them any way we could. So it was just, it was just kind of cool. It was just like when you make yourself available and uh, it just kind of took on a life of its own. So that was pretty cool. Steve Matz, uh, through True 32, his particular uh, arm of charity uh, has taken under his wings concern, as he mentioned, for firefighters and police officers and U.S. military. Now, uh, Steve, that's an interesting thing, because, as you know, these guys and gals are particularly subject to uh, a lot of criticism in recent years. Um, I'm from a parish that's largely guys who are police and firefighters, so I feel uh, personally very protective of them. Um, what do you make of it when you, you care about their welfare and the fact that they put themselves on the front line and yet they come up for some pretty wicked criticism? And the comparison I often make is, you know, there are about four percent of priests in the Catholic Church who have done bad things. But there's 96 percent of us who have not. And yet we're all tarred by that brush. And I feel like with the police and firefighters and, and the guys in the military, they, they are wonderful people. But boy, they're getting beaten up. How, how do you how do you make sense of that? Yeah, you know, it's tough because, you know, you see a lot of the media coverage and, you know, some of that negative stuff and it paints, like you said, just that broad brush. But, you know, when you talk to these guys and, and they see that, that, you know, they are the ones that are protecting our communities at the end of the day. And, you know, you know, for military, you know, you can even go back to, you know, look at the Vietnam days when those guys were underappreciated. And when you just show them their appreciation for the work that they do, I think it goes a long way to them and for the guys that are doing it right and doing, you know, and supporting our communities and our country and, and, you know, the first responders being there on nine 11 in the piles, seeing that, mm-hmm. you know, just to show them our, Hey, we appreciate what you're doing. You know, I think that just goes a long way. And, you know, that's, you know, that's what we, I think that's all we can do, you know? Yeah. Steve Mass is our guest. Steve, um, even people come to church regularly, uh, Sometimes, and you know this because you've, you've been in churches enough, they'll have a sense of, uh, you know, I'm kind of doing what I need to do in terms of punching my card and being there. But we often talk in church about it doesn't mean anything until you enter into a, a personal relationship, a personal encounter with Christ. Some folks really with the best of intentions say, you know, I, I do all the things I'm supposed to do, but I don't get this whole concept of personal encounter or personal relationship. I don't know how to do it. So having gone through that process of being a nominal Christian first and then having a more personal relationship with Jesus, is there a particular way or the things to do that you found are an effective way of growing that relationship with the man? Yeah, I think there's several different things, you know, to, to just grow the relationship. One thing is living in community. You know, I, I, I notice when I'm in community with other believers, whether it's, you know, my roommate here, you know, people that I can talk on the phone, you know, there's several good ministries in baseball, discipleship ministries, having that communication, talking about your faith, talking about life, what you're going through. I think that's like what I've noticed over the years is like the biggest thing is like, we need each other. We need to lean on each other. We need accountability in our faith and our, in our walk with God. I think that's one of the, I think that's, that's the biggest thing. 
Okay. The um, experience of being on the road, I want to talk about that for a minute, Steve. Uh, you know, you're up there with Toronto now. Uh, no matter what team you're with, you're traveling constantly. Your wonderful wife, Taylor, is, uh, I understand, based in Nashville. How, how do you keep uh, personal relations going, whether it's with your family on Long Island or your wife in Nashville or your closest friends when you're a guy on the road? Yeah, it's tough. You know, I think, you know, thankful for technology, you know, if it wasn't for the phones, it'd be, you know, me and Taylor would have hardly ever talked. So <laughs> I'm, uh, you know, I'm thankful for that. You got to be, for me, I got to be really um, intentional about it, you know, make time, you know, sometimes it's always not fun just kind of sitting there talking on the phone all the time, but, you know, you really got to be intentional and realize that's an important, important part of your relationship. And so, I think that's the biggest thing is, you know, making time for that and being intentional about that time. You know, even if, even though it's just talking on the phone, it's still really important. Hey, Steve, remember before I said to you, if you had to be writing an essay about why Taylor, you came up with some wonderful answers. If I had Taylor here and I said, why Steve, what might she say? <laughs> I think she would say the same thing. Uh, I think she would say, you know, I, I just think it's so cool. Here she is doing her, her thing. I'm over here, but like I said, you know, we're both just pursuing our relationships with God. And I think that's just really cool. You know, uh, there's an actress, Kristen Chenoweth, and she had a great relationship with a guy, but he was not of our faith. And, uh, and I asked her, I said, could you marry someone for whom Jesus didn't mean anything? And she said, I really don't think I could be missing a big part of my life. Is the fact that both of you believe in God an important part of the relationship? Yeah, I would say, you know, that's, that's number that's number one. I mean, like that's a lot of our conversation is like what we're going through and, you know, what we're reading in the Bible and, mm -hmm. you know, different people that we're praying for, you know, so I, you know, I think that's number one for us. When you said before, Steve, about uh, the fact that if you in baseball, making it into your mid thirties, that's, that's a good career. The aging thing, whether you're an actor or an athlete has got to be a constant pressure that every year is important. Um, how well or how not so well has Steve Matz managed to deal with the reality of aging and our bodies changing and taking it and accepting it in perspective? How good are you at doing that, Steve? Um, you know, I think it's, I think I'm learning as we go here. You know, now that I'm 30, it's like, wow, this it's just going by so fast. And, you know, last year I had a really bad year, um, worst of my career. And I was like, man, you know, this thing could be, and you know, this whole baseball thing could be gone in a flash, you know, and then it's yeah. pretty humbling. And so I think it does shift things in perspective. You know, I was like, do I, am I really, what I believe, am I really, you know, really believing that? Or am I just, is mm -hmm. it just kind of lip service, you know, when, when your career could be ended, you know, in one bad season, you know, that type of thing. So I think it does shift things in perspective and definitely learning as we go with that. And speaking of perspective, Steve, when you just said you were 30 this year, I was resentful and jealous and I want your life. <laughs> Everything, everything's important depending on where you are in that moment of life for yourself. Steve Matz is our guest. Steve, a few years back, we had a guy named George Martin as our guest. He had played with the uh, football team, the Giants. But I mentioned that because now he does financial planning for athletes. And one of the things he said that was troubling was that uh, so many of the guys at the end of their professional athletic careers don't have the money that they made, that it's, it's been squandered badly. Um, 
you know, when I first saw that in your first year, you got this great contract. And, and I thought to myself, this kid from Long Island whose parents worked hard, he worked hard for every dollar he ever made. Now, suddenly they're waving lots of money in front of you. How do you put in perspective the power of money in sports? And how do you make sure you don't end up like some of those people that George Martin talked about where you say, what happened to it all? How do you handle money? Yeah, you know, um, I think, you know, a big thing for me is, you know, recognizing, you know, you can do a lot of good with money. And yeah. so um, it's like, whose kingdom do I want to build? Do I want to build my kingdom or do I want to build God's kingdom? And so, mm-hmm. you know, I think one, you know, my dad, I was only 18 years old. I was really thankful. I had a dad that, you know, was like, you know what, we're going to be really smart with this. You know, we put it away right away for five years. I pretty much couldn't even touch it. Yeah. And then, you know, now I have financial advisors and stuff. And, you know, I got those principles from, from my family and stuff mm-hmm. and recognizing the good that you can do with it. I think all those things combined and, you know, you want to be, you want to be a good steward of what you've been given. So I think that's the biggest thing is stewardship. Absolutely. Often enough, people in my parish will say, is it a sin to have money? I said, no, 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 because you can do good things with it. You can use it for a great purpose and stuff, but it all depends on how you're spending it. Steve Matz, I want to thank you for being with us. I'm, I'm so grateful for your open conversation, your honesty, and especially, you know, to find a guy who's a, a public figure, but also unafraid of saying, uh, I, I belong with the man. Jesus is important to me. My faith is central to who I am and motivates so much of what I do in my life. That openness, that willingness to share it is, is a great gift, more than you know to so many people. And I'm just so grateful. I wish you every success in baseball, but uh, I think even more importantly, what you do with your life is uh, so richly blessed by the, va- the fact that you're loved by many people. When I mentioned to my nephew, Matthew, you were coming on, he said, you know, everybody agrees. He's such a good man. He's such a nice human being. And, and I have to believe a lot of that is rooted in the family that raised you and in the God that surrounds you. So uh, keep on keeping on. Thank you so much to you for sharing with us. All right. Thank you very much. As we end today's program, I want to thank you all for being with us. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach me at personallyspeakingpodcast at gmail.com. To go see past episodes of our show, go to YouTube and search under Personally Speaking with Monsignor Jim Lasanti. And don't forget to click like and subscribe. Personally Speaking is also available as a podcast on personallyspeakingpodcast.buzzsprout.com. Or for past shows, go to www.CloseEncounterTV.com. And again, click on the radio button at the top of the page. You can also get our shows at www.OLLMP.org. And also get a weekly homily from Monsignor Jim. Personally Speaking is also on Facebook at Personally Speaking with Monsignor Jim Asante. And we're also now on Instagram at Personally Speaking Podcast. Personally Speaking is made possible because of the support of so many of you. Thank you for your help and support. I'm privileged to serve as host and executive producer, Personally Speaking. Our producer is Lisa Jandovitz. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll be with you again next time on Personally Speaking.